So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end, where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift, and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes, but if you want all of them, including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show, just go to the Agent Success Toolbox. All right, Rockstar Nation, I got a great guest for you today coming out of the Boston, Massachusetts area, Mr. Mike Russo. And guys, this is going to be, there's some things we're going to talk about today. They're, they're controversial, but, but they're things that you need to think about and you need to understand as to the future of real estate offers with real estate agents and the way everyone is communicating today and the way many feel buyers and sellers and agents are going to communicate in the future and it's going to change everything you do. So stay tuned for this. It's going to be great. Uh, Mike Russo, I'll let him introduce himself, but basically he was uh, the founder and and one of the C and a CEO at concierge uh, auction services. We're going to talk a little bit about why luxury properties and that sort of thing find it necessary to use auction services. And then he branched off of that and now he runs his own company, Spark Offer. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, that as well. So without further ado, Mike, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. Why don't you give everybody a little rundown on yourself, Mike? Sure. Uh, I've been around luxury real estate for the last 15 years. Uh, I actually started my career at corporate Sotheby's International Realty, branched off uh, and became one of the principal owners of Sotheby's International Realty in Aspen, Colorado through the crash of the market, uh, which that was a lot of fun. The, uh, I've always said since then that nobody needs to buy a home in Aspen. The, after that, in 2010, I became one of the principal owners of Concierge Auctions. Uh, during my seven years there, I and my team auctioned over a billion dollars of luxury homes in 26 states and 15 countries. Wow. Um, participating in properties ranging from two to um, over, actually since I left, I represented a buyer at an auction uh, for $42 million in Florida. Wow. So, so, you know, really everything from kind of that $2 million, you know, standard home on the main line of Philly to, you know, literally one-of-a-kind properties that are rarely found. Uh, and into, uh, about a year and a half ago, I left three years ago, a year and a half ago, I decided to found Spark Offer. And as a, as a marketplace to help buyers, sellers, and agents accelerate and transact on luxury properties in a more transparent fashion. Mm. Well, let's dig deep into this. So, first of all, like I said, I want to start off with the auction thing, right? So, you spent seven years there. 
right? And you, you have tons and tons of properties, tons. So why is it that someone selling a house for $42 million can't sell it, for the most part, the traditional methods by putting it on MLS? You know, why is it that all these luxury properties need to have an auction to, to move on? So first, I wouldn't say it's all these luxury properties. When you look at why is it popular there, where it's not, you know, you wouldn't, you don't, you don't see it a lot in the in the middle range, the median price range. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, number one is that you know it's rarefied air in most cases, right? Depending on the marketplace, there's you know, forget the the property for forty two million was on MLS and it was being traditionally marketed in Florida for a number of years uh, for one hundred and sixty seven million, right? And so wait a minute, wait, 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 slow this down. Okay, so the forty two million dollar property was marketed for one hundred and sixty seven million. Might have been one sixty five, but one, <laughs> good one, lord. Okay, one sixty. Clearly, it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so, but you're looking for just an amazingly small buyer pool, right? Mm. So typically the seller that goes to auction is not distressed. They're simply ready to find a market that's qualified to buy their home. And they're tired of trying to guess at what that looks like. And, And that's essentially what you do when you list a property for a fixed price on the MLS is that you're hoping for, the agent to have the correct outreach. You're hoping that somebody happens to be searching on the internet in your town, in your price range. And that's a, and so that's really works awesome when you live in Boston and you're trying to sell a place for two to 3 million, because there's tons of people looking for that. But you know, you go outside of that where you're in a town that may not be where people are looking for that type of property or a price range in any town where there's not just a high buyer pool for that. The internet isn't necessarily the best place. Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, so, and you use the word distress, the seller's generally not distressed. I mean, that that's a, that's an ambiguous word in the luxury market, right? Because like, of course they're not, you know, they could be a billionaire, which is a lot of money, right? And they own a house that they think is worth 169. They end up selling it for 42. You could say, ah, they weren't distressed. Well, that's just because they, they had so much cash laying around, right? Right. Because someone would look at that and say, hell yeah, that was a distress sale, you know, because they had 105 in it. So like what percentage of houses that you guys sold via auction, do you think people had more improvements in than they actually sold for? More, you know what I mean? Like they had more money oh, I, in it. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I don't know that that's necessarily just a luxury auction question. I think that by and large holds true for luxury properties in general. The market has just been shifting so much. Uh, for example, I sold a property in Darien, Connecticut at auction in 2011 for $6.6 million. And I was recently just visiting with that agent and he told me in t- in 2011, we thought that price was just a fire sale price. And today, I couldn't sell that property for that much. I couldn't get $6.6 million for it today. And, you, and, he, and then the, the seller in 2011 was losing money on the deal. Yes. So, yeah, and I, I see that myself too. You know, I've known some people that have had 
houses that they've had $5 million in, they've completely over-improved to personalize for themselves, which you tend to do. If you've got, you know, if you've got that sort of money, of course, why wouldn't you, right? But then when it says, when the kids grow up and they move out and they're like, okay, well, let's go, you know, let's go a different direction or move somewhere, you know, they end up taking up a, a significant bath, right? 50% or more. I mean, so do you th- would, it, would it be safe to say, and I know it, it depends. You always hear about, you know, stuff in pockets like Beverly Hills or whatever, where Britney Spears paid $9 million, then she sells it for $15 million. But it seems like more than not, I would guess, you know, 80%, do you think, sell for less than they actually have in it? I think it could be that high. I'm not sure. It would be an educated guess, but yeah, yeah. The the average, I think most of these luxury homes, like I've been around Greenwich a lot lately, and you know, Greenwich is there's so many houses that people either bought for much more, even post the crash, um, or they've built since the crash, and they'll sell them for somewhere between thirty to fifty percent less in today's market than they have in them. Right. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is, first of all, um, number one, that they have the money to lose, right? They're like, okay. And number two, a personality style, right? Because if you have that much money, chances are you you did something uh, very aggressive that required a lot of action. And that type of personality, you know, really doesn't have time to have a, their house on the market for three years, right? They're going to be like, look, I need to get this sucker sold. It just depends. I think the average person, no matter how wealthy you are, every, there's sort of this, um, this ingrained philosophical part of, of us here in the U.S. that our, our real estate should be appreciating. And, <laughs> yeah. and so the, I think that's a pretty hard dynamic shift. And I think you're seeing that across all price points for the most part. It just depends, you know, on demographic shift. I mean, we have even in traditional price points, you know, the, if you're in the suburbs outside a city, the average millennial today, and then on top of it, the average baby boomer looking to retire is saying, I want to live somewhere where I can walk to get my coffee and I can walk to, to get the newspaper. And so in these other towns where they're great towns, predominantly um, upper middle class, have great school systems, people aren't necessarily choosing to live there. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So, all right. So talk to me about like, you know, generally you only see auctions and, and this is my opinion. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I, in my world, I see auctions with investors, right? You see um, in, investors, you see auctions, right? I know a company in Baltimore where I'm from that, that just uh, does nonstop auctions of these little things in Baltimore City under 100 grand, you know, or say under 200 grand and tons of people show up for the auctions. And investors are buying them generally, right? Because they require a 10% down payment and buyer premium, all this stuff that first time buyers really can't get involved in them. So it's generally investor driven. So I see it huge there. And I also see it in luxury. Do you think that in between, do you think that it'll bleed in between and one day in the future, we'll all be kind of auction based? No, I have a lot of people that 
you know, you meet people, especially when I was in the auction business and said, you know, we're going to just be like Australia and everything's going to be at auction. You know, first of all, about half of things are auctioned in Australia. It's not all of it. Um, and also it, their auction is just a more transparent multiple offer process. So when you see auctions in Australia, at least, and I've talked to a lot of people in Australia, is that the properties go that are going to auction are properties that are in high demand, not in low demand. And so it's a, it's a complete different ideological shift of like, when am I auctioning a property? So that, that's a, just an absolute philosophical difference in why they're auctioning more there, but they're auctioning more their primary inventory. Yeah, and I guess if you're in an environment where there's more social proof, it's easier to put your house up for auction. I think a lot of people here are reluctant to do it because what if it doesn't work? We're in Australia. If you, have, if you know 12 people that did it and got great prices, you're like, I'm going to do that, right? But here yeah. it's like, I don't know. What if it doesn't work? You know what I mean? What if I get a lowball bid and I have to take it? Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book, and it's just been published. Co-authored it with David Osborne, who's been on this show multiple times. If you don't know David, he is one of the top execs at Keller Williams Real Estate, was personally mentored for the last two decades by Gary Keller himself, and he's in all kinds of businesses. His bio and explanation and everything is in this book. But anyways, David and I got together. We decided to write a book. We called it Tribe of Millionaires. And I guarantee you, it's going to change your life. To find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. Yeah, so so if you don't mind, that's exactly why I created Spark Offer. Yeah, let's let's merge into that. So so I created Spark Offer as largely a software platform that operates on a couple different bases. One is one of the things that keeps people from either selling at auction or buying at auction is either one of the things that you just said is if I'm a seller, I've got a fear that I've got to take this certain price, right? Or two, if I'm a buyer, it's outside the norm of what the agents and the buyers are used to doing, what's customary in buying a piece of real estate, meaning that I do my, I come to an agreement of price. i elect to probably get a mortgage and I do my inspections after all of that is agreed upon in the auction process. You have to figure all that out prior so that the minute you raise your hand and say, I'm bidding X, if, if the gavel goes down and you met the reserve or was a no reserve, whatever it is, you're buying that property, right? The yeah. other, the other thing is depending on the auction firm, whether it's even like a mass scale auction, like an auction.com, which is doing the distressed properties. Yeah, absolutely. Or you're doing like my old firm at concierge auctions, 
the buyer premium that's tacked on on top of that gavel price ranges somewhere between 5% like at auction.com to 12% at concierge auctions, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's a pretty hefty premium, especially in a world where people are saying, wow, you know, I want to fight over five or 6% commission. Yeah. And psychologically they're used to the seller paying the commission, right? Correct. Correct. So, but you know, every seller, um, you know, wants to get more than one offer, right? That's the, that's the holy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, you know, right. Because it it shows proof. Shows Shows proof proof that, well, maybe it's not worth what I thought it was, or maybe, you know what I mean? Better or worse it shows proof that that is the market. Yes. So, so in relation to spark offer, um, what I say is we've created an auction like process, meaning that it prompts people to make offers. It actually shows all parties that are following a property, how many offers have been made on the property, but it doesn't disclose pricing, right? It doesn't disclose terms. And, and right, because that would be illegal, right? Like, like doesn't that go? That goes against them. Well, it's not illegal in an auction. They show the prices. <laughs> Let's think about this. So, real estate agent, you can't quote unquote shop an offer, right? You can't go to one agent and go, "Well, you can," right? It's called an escalation clause. Yeah. Hmm. But escalation clause is still typically done in secret. Yeah, it is. Right? It is right. Um, and it so, is. but we're not. We're not showing. Other You're not showing. Okay. So spark. No. So th- th- let's dumb this down. Th- th- explain to me like a third grader can understand what is spark offer. Sure. So spark offer is essentially a software platform that's helping buyers, sellers, and agents facilitate the offer process in a more transparent way. Right. So offers come in, literally offers get submitted on the software right? And those offers are then broadcast out to anyone that's interested in the party of that an offer has been submitted and that's it. So if I've received three offers, everyone knows I've received three offers. Any person can go to our website and see that this house has three offers, um, but they don't know what for, how much. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and so the, so, so the, let's other people, let's other agents know whether an agent is lying, right? Because some agents bullshit, right? Oh, I got four offers on this. You better make it your best. That's right. Right? So it's it's proof of that. And I think- That's the bullshit out of agents. Well, basically, an agent's lying. The, the world's done with that, right? They're done with, with being played, right? There's too much in our lives by having a phone on our person that's, you know, 95% of the population or something over 18 keeps within arm's distance 24 hours a day, right? I can know everything I want about almost anything in two seconds. And so that's the logic behind Spark Offer is like, let's like it's not right to tell somebody what one person is offering versus another, but let's tell them that legitimately there is an offer. There is a real offer. And then a real offer, they have to do, they have to jump through some hoops, right? There is a barrier entry. It can't be just some guy texting saying, eh, I'll, I'll give you this. You gotta, uh, how, do you, how do you have them put their money where their mouth is so that the other guy in the platform knows it's a real offer? So they have to, have um, whether it's agent submitted or buyer direct submitted they have to sign a contract right or or you know a purchase offer if you will that's actually a signed document if it's the agent submitting 
they're putting a copy of an escrow check if that's common in the market and they're putting a proof of funds or a pre-qual letter, a pre-approval letter that has been generated in that person's name. And if those three things were not attached to the offer when submitted to Spark Offer, it won't actually go through. Yeah, there's no reason they couldn't. Like, I mean, you get your money back anyways, right? So, so eventually, you would think they would be able to Venmo a thousand bucks or or, or whatever because it's you get it back. So the the paper check. Yeah, we, not, certainly not as strong. You know, we actually have it in our roadmap that we'll be able to take initial escrow deposits by phone. That's coming next year. Yeah, and that means on a phone, on a on a on a, on a screen. Not he doesn't mean by calling it in. So correct. Yeah. So and then and then tell me about how like all this communication then is on a phone and not. Of via voice because uh, I've had some experiences recently that's kind of shocked me at first, but then the more I thought about it, the more I said, should I go to this protocol? And the only reason I didn't because uh, my mom and dad call me on my phone in our old fashioned and leave messages, but I've had some, you know, I've called some people recently that just simply said, I do not take voice messages, text me. Um, and and kind of that's what you're trying to do with Spark Offer. And your belief structure is the future will not have voice, right? I mean, in in the negotiation process. And also, tell me about how the benefit that everybody gets from this. Sure. So so yes, I do strongly believe that the future does not have voice. And Spark Offer is built as a mobile first that communicates um, through the parties between texting primarily, because it's where most people are living today. One thing that became a big aha moment for me was two years ago, my, my college age son was getting calls from whoever he rented his books from asking them to be returned. And then three months later, we get an email saying, you know, we've been trying to reach so-and-so and they've not returned our calls and you're going to be assessed some higher fee. Come to find out, he had been getting voicemails from this company, but he's like, I don't check voicemail. I don't look. So if it's not an email or a text message to a college age student, which is the next buyer in our next five to 10 years, as far as they're concerned, it didn't exist. Right. It, it almost should be an option on a phone, right? Where like, like you could just like block every call, like, right. Like if a call comes through, they can't leave a message. You, right. you know what I mean? It just goes boom. It just makes some noise. I think they do. <laughs> I think they do. How you just don't set up your voicemail. Yeah, you don't set up a voicemail, or or, or you forward it to a fax machine and just go. <laughs> <laughs> so so the you know in my mind and actually the fax ma- ma- fax machine's a good segue, right? And so you know if you look at the major evolutions of the real estate offer process, the first one was the fax machine. Right. Like, wow. Like instead of instead of, you know, trying to hand deliver it or mail it, you know, we can have an offer faxed from one office to the next. And then the next big evolution was e-signatures. Right. And so everybody's e-signaturing at least the initial offers and maybe a first counter offer. But after that, it'll go to email. Some markets like New York City and Greenwich, Connecticut, they only work off of email. They're not actually at what I in many markets, what we'd consider a legitimate offer, if you will, or certainly not a binding offer. And so Spark Offer's goal when we set out for this 
was to take this next step in the techno technology to say, let's have people e-sign offers on their phone. Let's have them negotiate via their phone. Let's have everything that is in this device that is sort of like a personal tracking device, if you will, that we don't leave without an arm distance of our body over 24 hour period. Like let's use that device because that's where people are, right? That's where they're living and the fat and it'll, and we can speed up the transaction if we can live where they're living. Yeah. Because right now you have this, in my opinion, you have an inefficiency of, you, you know, the buyer tells the agent, then the agent tells the other agent, then the other agent tells the seller. Correct. And if, and, and if all four were in the same room and someone said the roof leaks in the, you know, far right corner and, and the seller says, that's no problem. I'll take care of it. Right. There's, there's, it's right there in the room. Like it can't, it's like a slack room. It's like a, a room, right? It's there. It's all together. That's where everything's going. So you could easily find that. And it also ties into a, another interesting concept that, that I'm a big believer in. And that is the philosophy of it is harder to hate up close. And I'll repeat that. It's harder to hate up close. And that was Chris Christie was the first one to say that. But he, you know, he, he, because he always had his meetings uh, in any issues where there were going to be controversial meetings, he would call them in a, in a conference room and have them up close and they would always go somewhat smoother. And I think the same thing applies. Like a lot of times agents get in the way and, and, and they ruin a transaction or they make it 10 times worse. Where if the buyer and seller just were in the same room, they wouldn't be such jerks. I, I probably wouldn't have said that. But now that you say that, I mean, it is a big part of the business today. And I think the consumer, both the buyer and the seller, are the ones that are feeling that the most, where they're saying, and you hear it all the time, actually, it's like, if you could just let us talk, I think we can figure it out. I don't think we need to have these artificial barriers. And I think that's sort of like, you know, ingrained in the real estate or realtor or agent personality from, you know, decades of being spread across uh, the business to say, like, our job is like, we've got to play referee. Right. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. This is a quote from Mr. Bill Reed, who took my certified listing agent program. He says, looking to take your listing presentation to the next level. Listen, I've closed 100% of the appointments since I took Pat Hyben's certified listing agent. Five appointments, five new clients in 60 days. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. Now you can get the certified listing agent course. You can get the certified buyer agent course, which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them. You get the certified team agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. Total of 11 courses, all five-star rated, only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000. And we are running a special now at futureofrealestatetraining.com where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat, $97 a month, all these courses. 
That's futureofrealestatetraining.com. Futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Rockstar Nation, it is time to finish the year strong. The year is almost over, and it's time to sprint. You know, in my real estate career, I always doubled down at the end of the year because all of the other agents were not working during November and December, so I took full advantage. This is a great time to leverage yourself and hire a virtual assistant. I'm talking about my Outdesk. If you haven't heard of my Outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators, marketing assistants. I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents at Prospect, thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my Outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week. We're going to give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. So you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything. It's called Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And you can get it real easy. All you got to do is text the word HIBAN, H-I-B-A-N, to 31996. That's H-I-B-A-N to 31996. And download your free book, Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you, guys. And I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my Outdesk. They, well, here's the thing. I think some of it falls in that the agents need to feel like they've earned their money, which is, all, is another debate all, all in it itself. But also the agents, uh, you know, and the buyers or sellers may want the protection. I mean, that's kind of why they have an agent, right? So they, they could, you know, so they might not want to be face-to-face with the seller or the buyer, and that's what they're paying for. So Yeah, they, I mean, I think the... And I think across my career and some other great agents that I've known over the years, and why do people really hire them? Do they hire them to market their property? Yeah, to some degree. Do they hire them for the job to be done of selling my property? Yes. But like amongst all that, it's like I'm looking for counsel, right? I'm looking for real advice on how to get the job done of selling my home, selling it the quickest, and getting me the best price. Right. And, and that really is going to become more and more, I think, evident in the future as everything that's swirling around the industry starts to become, you know, 
play itself out over the next five years. <laughs> I was having a conversation. If you look at the major scramble and somebody was saying, you know, hey, do you think agents are really going to use Spark Offer because, um, you know, making offers on this technology platform? And I said, yeah, I think they are. And I think we're, we're early in the game. But, you know, five years ago, Open Door just came to life, right? And between Open Door and Zillow and OfferPad, I mean, it's the most hot contested part of the agent sphere today in, in what is the iBuyer doing to the market. And five years ago, it didn't exist. Yeah, right. I've, I've, I've always kind of been a believer in that because I, I always thought that, that, the, that from the offer to the contract, right, there was, there was zero in between. Like you had to fill out like an 80-page document with wet signatures, right, to make an offer. And in, yet if you go to commercial real estate, it's all letter of intent, right? It's all like, you know, if you want to buy something or rent something with commercial real estate, you know, you first you just put a letter of intent. It's like half a page. Right. Then they just tell you whether they consider or not. If not, then you haven't wasted that much time, right? You haven't had to read 80 pages, right? It's just price, settlement, date, you know, any other pertinent terms. And I've always thought that real estate on the residential side should be much more of a letter of intent world, especially with investors doing, doing lowball offers or, or really anybody. And it, and it kind of also gives the seller some sense of satisfaction in that at least they could say they got an offer, right? I hate to, how many sellers I've heard say, well, we've had 40 showings and haven't had a single offer. Maybe if there was a letter of intent system, they said, well, we've had five offers, but they've all been low. Hmm, maybe I am overpriced. I've had five offers and they're all low. That would be considered, quote unquote, market speaking to me. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of interesting points in that, right? So one is it just depends on what's customary in your market. Um, like I said, some, they literally do offers via email. Uh, at least with a buyer direct offer on Spark Offer, it's a two-page offer that covers the basics: price, inspections, mortgage. You know what you'd generally see in in an offer. the The market speaking part of like, hey, I've had forty showings and I've had no offers. That's a whole different gambit that we're trying to tar- attack at Spark Offer, which is today, I think when people see your house listed online for a specific price, the, I actually had this conversation with someone earlier today where they were saying, my seller says, you know, I'm just telling them to just make me an offer, just make me an offer. But the buyer won't waste their time if they think that the, the where they're at versus what the list price is, is too great, right? Either they're afraid to insult the person either. They just don't want to waste their time, whatever it is. If they think the gap is too great, They just won't take the leap. And so that's where I think the market has made a big fundamental shift. Gone are the days of of making even a sub 15% offer, right? If if you're not within that, we had an early property on Spark Offer uh, that was listed at 524, uh, had huge amount of showings over the weekend, had eight people following it from the showings over the weekend. And... I told the sellers, listen, you got to lower the price to 499. 
and they took that action, lowered it to 499, and they had three offers in 24 hours because the prompting was all happening through the watchers, and they got near full price at that 499. So wait a minute. So were, did all all the people that looked at it know about the offers, or just the people that bidded? The people that signed up to follow the property via Spark Offer. Ah, so. So when you make the showing, you could be like, follow this offer on Spark Offer. Yes, exactly. Never lose out on the opportunity to make an offer again. Hmm. Interesting. And then it just says an offer has been made. Correct. Then they're like, okay, well, we got to make a decision. You got it. I, yeah, I like that, right? Because a lot of people, again, it goes give back to that word social proof. They want that because as soon as one person says, I want it, yeah, it, it makes it okay. It makes it like, mm, okay, I'm not making a dumb decision, right? Like, like someone else sees what I see. Yeah, well, I read on your, on your bio or what have you that Barbara Corcoran's been on your show. She was our uh, strategic advisor at Concierge. And Barbara had a great saying, which is everybody wants what everybody wants and nobody wants what nobody wants. Mm, not the truth. It's complete truth. Rightly or wrongly. But it's true. But yeah. Well, that's really cool. So let's talk about the white paper you wrote. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Sure. So the white paper really walks through a little bit about what we talked about today, which is, you know, some data on where the market's going in relation to people more apt to use their phone than verbal. They would, they, they're moving away from talking to people all together and just texting and then how we're bridging that gap on bringing that experience to making an offer on a home. Yeah. And I think you're right, right? You can't stop a generation, right? Because my kids are the same way. Like, I, I, I don't think I could leave them a message, right? It'd be like, why? Right? You know, they just don't. They just, they just don't do messages. And it's getting to the point they don't do emails either. They might do emails like, you know, once a three weeks or something. You know? I have so, to text my kids to tell them to look at something I sent them on email. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I don't think you could stop that wave. I don't think anybody's going to get in front of that, right? It's just, it's just going to happen. It is what it is. There, there's something about human nature that is causing us to simplify and be fast and be efficient and get to the point. And I think that's pretty much what Spark Offer is, right? It's, yeah. it's all those things. Yeah. It's all those things. So guys, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make this real easy. Uh, I'm going to put it at uh, hybendigital.com backslash spark offer. I'll just do that. It's easy to remember. S-P-A-R-K-O-F-F-E-R. That's hybendigital.com backslash spark offer. I'm going to put all of Mike Russo's contact information. I'm going to put uh, any social media links he wants to share. And Mike, listen, next time I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, I will definitely look you up and we'll get together and talk about the future of real estate sales and agents and everything else. I'd love to continue this conversation. Thank you, Pat. I really enjoyed it. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. 
if you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show, and we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>